Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Episode number 60 of the podcast, and as always, thank you very much for joining us today. Now, today's podcast is a brand new concept that I've come up with, and what it is, is it's all about yarns and stories from teachers. Now, I got the idea, uh, if you had to listen to one of my previous episodes where I talk about my top five podcasts, two of them that I listen to weekly are storytelling. Now, one of them's The Moth, and another one's called Tall Tales and True. Now, basically what this is, is people getting up and just telling stories about their life or about experiences or things that have happened to them. Now, I thought... As teachers, we are around amazing stories every day. We do tell them ourselves, but some of the things that the students come up with are so, so amazing that they have to be shared. So I was fortunate enough to have three fantastic teachers from around the globe uh, email me in after I put out a call on Twitter for stories or memories or anything like that. So I'm going to start it off. I've got a story today, uh, a story that probably changed my teaching career forever. Um, Then we've got Dil Cutrus, who is a school teacher in country Victoria in Australia, and he's going to read out a letter that River, a grade two student in his class, wrote for Stephen Smith, the Australian cricket captain. Then we've got Brenda Carberry-Tang, who is in Canada, and she's got two really cool stories. Um, And we're going to finish off with the master of storytelling himself, Gavin McCormack, and he's going to recite his best story ever when he gives that to students. So um, a lot of fun, and I'm sure that you will listen to this and you'll see that I've named it part one. I plan on doing a lot more of these because I think as teachers, we've got so many great stories that they are too good not to share. So four stories today for you. I hope you enjoy. Now, my story today is the moment that changed my life as a teacher. Now, this is a story that really is at the start of my teaching career. So I'll just go through it. When I finished university, um, I studied mainly as a high school PE teacher. Then I, I, I struggled to get a job. I remember that myself and eight mates went away to Thailand for a trip to celebrate finishing union. They had strikes over there. So I had all these interviews lined up, but because we were stuck in a hotel room, I could never, I couldn't get to the interview. So I missed out on them. And I think that was a blessing in disguise because I was fortunate enough to go back to my home country town in Shepparton, Victoria, where I was a primary school PE teacher. And particularly, I'd never had any experience teaching primary school PE and it, it really opened my eyes. And by the end of the year, I absolutely loved it. And it was one of the most memorable things I've ever been part of. And I think it's really funny how you stumble in these things. Anyway, halfway through that year, one of my good friends, Timmy Hebbard, said to me, I'm going to go overseas and teach in London. And I'd never really thought of the idea. And I thought, wow, I could do that as well. You know, you you go and sign up, you get a teaching agency, and they basically find you work. And I thought, what a great way to travel, see the world, and experience teaching on the other side of the world. So we started planning our trip, and it was a really hard thing to do, but I 
when we needed to put in our preferences for that year, if we we're going to teach again, um, I had to say, no, I'm going to pass because I want to go and travel. And I wanted to do it while I was young and, and just sort of really see Europe because being in Australia, it's amazing, but we're so far away from anything. So to get over to Europe, live in London, it was a dream of mine and that actually happened. So I moved over there with three mates. We were all teachers and we were in this massive share house. So I don't know if people over there have moved over to London as an Australian, but you get in a share house and there was nine of us in a four bedroom house. We had one bathroom. And a lot of the time we had two or three people living in our lounge room. Now, if you said today that I would do that, I would. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. But back then, it was the best thing ever. It was amazing. There's always people around and we had a great time. Now, when we got there, we signed up at a couple of teaching agencies and we were going to do supply teaching. Now, for anybody that's done supply teaching in London, you know, you'll probably have a little chuckle now, but it is quite challenging. And at the start, I don't think myself or my mates were really ready for what we were about to experience. And what ended up happening was because we wanted to explore and things were only really working one or two days a week and the money soon started to wear out. So anyway, what happened was, is I got this call one day and said, Dale, we've got this school for you in central London. I'm like, yeah, beauty. And they go, they want you to do three days in a row. And I'd never had more than one day. And I was like, beauty, sign me up. I need it. I need the money because summer was coming up and we had this eight week Europe planned trip and like I needed money seriously. So they said, the only thing is you need to look sharp. You need to look really professional. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll wear a shirt. And they go, no, you need to wear a suit. I'm like, oh, I don't. I didn't bring a suit over. I only brought over my suitcase with enough clothes to wear. Right. So that day, I went to H&M and I bought a jacket. It didn't match my pants. I looked really daggy, but I thought, anyway, I wanted to look the part. So I rocked up to this school, and it was, let's say this way, it was a really confronting day. I had. 32 grade three students in my year three, they were called in the UK, in my class. And I also had three teacher's assistants and I could not control these students to save myself. I was trying to get them to do the work that was left for them. The teacher's assistants were trying to get them as well. And it was just crazy. And like, I I'd nearly lost my voice by lunchtime. And I was just at this breaking point. I was like, is this really how hard it is to teach over here? I wasn't enjoying it. Anyway, Went to lunch and I was speaking to the teachers and I said, do you reckon it'd be all right if I took them out and played a game? And they go, oh, that would be great. Anyway, so my game of choice is cricket. So we went outside, we started playing. Anyway, to my amusement, they just love cricket, except this one boy who every time I'd try and speak, he would just yell at me or talk over me. Anyway, so I asked him politely to go and sit to the side. As the game was going on well, he just sort of kept throwing rocks at me and he kept looking at me strained. And anyway, I started to ignore him. Anyway, at the end of the class, as I was finishing up, this little grade three boy come and hit me with a cricket bat in the back of the bat. And I was like, wow. And like, I took all my might not to scream at him because I was so angry. Anyway, what ended up happening was I, I, I just had to go for a walk because I was furious. And luckily the bell went and that was the end of the day. And, and I walked out of the school and... What ended up happening was, I was like, this isn't fair. How does that student get away with it? He's going to be in my class for the next two days. I'm like, this is crazy. How can a kid hit me with a cricket bat and that be okay? Anyway, on the tube on the way home, I started thinking. And what I thought was, is 
I think that student has just done the best thing ever to me. All right, he has played a beautiful pull shot into my back and he has knocked some absolute sense into me because my teaching, when I look back on it, this kid was crying out saying, Dale, your teaching is rubbish. You're not engaging us. You're not showing any of yourself or your true passion or anything like that. You're going through the motions and that's exactly what I was doing. So the little student, I'm not going to say his name, I still remember it vividly because this is when my teaching changed forever. So I thought, right, the next day I'm going to rock in and I went bang and I played four icebreakers straight from the start and I'd never done this before. Normally I just walked in and read whatever I had to do from the teacher, left me the work and I'd get stuck into it. And I'm like, why would the students listen to me? I've shown no interest in them and I haven't shown anything about myself. All right, so I played these four games. Anyway, it was amazing. And I was like, well, I need more of these. So then I said, right, guys, if you do the work, after lunch, I've got another game for you. And at the end of the day, I've got another game for you. And this class transformed. And I could see on the three teachers' assistant faces, they're like, wow, what have you done? Anyway, that little kid that day changed my life forever by knocking some absolute sense into me. He changed not only my outlook on teaching, but also the way I went about it. And I suppose he's really helped me because once he hit me with that cricket bat, the next two days were amazing. And it proved to me that if you start every lesson with some sort of fun, interactive game, you're going to get buy-in from the students. And this led me to create my first app, Class Break, and all the games that I used that day on day two with little cricket bat kid in my class, they are some of the main ones I still use now. So for me personally, I got the hit of a lifetime in the back and it knocked some sense into me. So if the little student, uh, I'm sure he's a lot older now, he'd be in high school. If you're listening out there, buddy, thank you very much for knocking some sense into me because you changed my teaching outlook and the way I operate for good. Beautiful. Uh, g'day, guys. My name is Dylan Cutchess. I'm a teacher uh, in Victoria, in country Victoria, Tongala Primary School. Just got a bit of a cool story here from a young bloke in grade two. He's now. He's, uh, his name's River Townsend. And uh, after Steve Smith's pretty tough uh, last few weeks, he decided to send him a bit of a letter to, uh, to see if he could get him a bit more up and about. So here's the letter for you. Hi, Steve. I'm River and I'm seven. I know you're really sad and sorry. I can't wait to see you bat in 12 months' time. If you want me to buy you some leggies, just yell out. Remember when, you made, remember when you made 687 runs in the Ashes? I do, and it was awesome. I hope time comes quick and you're back playing for the Aussies. You're still my favourite player. I have the same New Balance bat as you. I played mini blues at the Tongala Cricket Club from River Townsend in Cayuga, Victoria. Oh, mate, that, that is unbelievable. Now, for listeners around the world that uh, aren't as up-to-date with cricket or don't even know what cricket is, what happened was there was a big ball-tampering issue and three of the Australian cricketers, and obviously Steve Smith was regarded as probably the highest position in Australia below the Prime Minister being Australian captain, and he's been suspended for a year. Now, that story, what a little legend. So a seven-year-old wrote that deal. Yeah, mate. So he's in grade two. Pretty, uh, pretty sporty family, and that, and that's that's what it is over in Tongala. It's, it's just a lot about sport, and obviously he was he was finding it pretty tough during that time. He thought, well, might give uh, Smithy a bit of a bit of a call out and see if he needs a bit of a hand, and he can feel free to come over to Tongala, and we'll have a hit of cricket with him. <laughs> I love it how we offered to bowl him some leggies. Yeah, he bowls all right too, little fella. <laughs> um, now, obviously, he. 
did you send that off? So did you send that off to Steve? Uh, we, so we've sort of got it out through through Twitter and, and, and the Herald Sun and a couple of mediums like that. So we've uh, we've tagged, well, the, his parents have tagged Steve Smith in it. So look, hopefully it does reach him and we get a bit of contact back from him. That would uh, certainly make this kid's day. Nice, mate. So do, is that part of the curriculum that you do there where um, they write letters to sports stars or idols or is it just simply because of the magnitude of such the events that have happened with the ball tampering that you thought what a perfect opportunity to get it out, express Rivers' sort of uh, feelings and things in a letter? No, mate, look, Rivers done this off his own bat, uh, pardon the pun, but done this during the holidays by himself after, after seeing it all through the media it got him pretty down, so we thought, well, here's a little thing that, that, that I can do, and it's probably something we do teach at school quite a lot, and, uh, and, and our theme last term was, was choosing kind and trying to help out other people that are, that are struggling a little bit. So for a seven-year-old kid to send that away to, uh, to the Australian cricket captain, pretty, pretty impressive for our school as well. Mate, I think that's fantastic, and um, hopefully, hopefully River doesn't mind me sharing his story with teachers all around the world because I think that's pretty touching what he's just done there, Dill. Yeah, mate, he's, he's hit media street pretty hard. We asked him how he's going with all his media commitments, and he's he's not too fussed by it all, so he's come pretty well, young bloke. <laughs> River from Tongala dominating. Well, thanks very much for that, Dill. I appreciate. Not a problem at all, mate. Cheers. Um, hi, I'm Brenda Carberry Tang. I go by Tang uh, in the school board. So uh, I'm a teacher in Pickering, Ontario, which is located in Canada. Uh, and I teach physical and health education as well as French immersion, which means I'm a French teacher. So I parle en français. So my stories are uh, wide and varied. I've got over 10 years experience teaching particularly grades 7 and 8. And in particular, uh, a very interesting group dynamics. Uh, I worked in a mixed socioeconomic background, which means I've got the kids that have lots and the kids that don't. And those would be the kids that you can see, you wonder if they've had breakfast today or even have lunch. So I'm going to tell you one story uh, that really touched me early on in my teaching career and we're, we're going to call her Jay. She, she was this young girl with a chip on her shoulder a mile wide that constantly went out of her way to poke at me, to, to throw off my teaching, to ignore me. She'd wear her short skirts. She'd, wear, like, she'd flaunt every rule she could. By the end of the year, I had... I was exhausted because not it wasn't just her. It was a class of rough and tumble kind of kids that just didn't care. But I caught her one day in the hall near the end of the year crying, and I mean sobbing. And I remember walking by her and stopping and saying, hey, are you okay? And she didn't really say anything. And all I said, and I literally, this is all I said. I said, Jay, you know, if, if you need anything, I'm here to talk. You don't have to, but just know that I'm here. And as I started to walk away, she started to sob even harder. And, I, and, and she stops and she looks at me and she says, you were the only one who ever listened to me or was kind to me. And I always treated you like garbage. And I was like, that's okay. You needed an out, but if you need me, I'm here. Well, 
it kind of stuck with her, I guess. Uh, and you don't really re- realize the impact you have until years later. But in this particular case, it, w- it came sooner than I thought. So Jay went on to high school, but she made a point of staying in contact with me. She'd come by and visit school, things like that. And she found out I was getting married and I was getting married in the same community in which I worked. And she, uh, she found out where the wedding was and she and a bunch of her other uh, school friends got together and they were actually at my wedding. Um, they got us a present. It was very, very sweet. I mean, the, the church is open to all, so it, it is very sweet. And I, to this day, I have a picture of my husband and I, you know, kissing as the car drives away. And behind us is Jay and her friend. Uh, and I keep it really close because it reminds me of what an impact I can have. But that's not the end of her story. See, she went on to high school and I do a lot of social justice in, in my classroom. I, I really think it's important. In this particular year, I focused on um, a charity and how the work of a charity can make a big difference in a child's life. And, and in this particular case, she, she took it to heart. And she took the charity that I had uh, sort of taken under my wing that year and that I had done a whole lot of activities to raise money for, and she took it to high school. And she uh, created a program like a song dance, got all of our artists, friends together and went from there into doing a night uh, presentation once a year for all of her four years. And all of the money raised during those uh, went on to uh, that same charity that I had I'd taught her about. So for me, it was realizing what a small, you know, two seconds to make eye contact to say, hey you know, if you need me, I'm here. Even though she puts up giant walls, or, and she did, it made a huge impact for her. Now, she went on to university, and I, I wasn't sure she ever would. And she came to me one year, and she said, I'm going to become a French teacher. And I looked at her, and I said, please, please don't. <laughs> and, you know, she came back the next year, and she did this. And she's like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't like kids that much. But but at the same time, what a what an amazing thing that she wanted so badly to follow in my footsteps. Wow. That's, so that's my that's, story of Jay. I really like that one about Jay. Very powerful impact you've had there, Brenda. And um, it just reminds you uh, that little things we take for granted, that what a big impact they can really make on the students we teach. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does. Um, you really don't realize it. I mean, now that I'm 10 years in, um, so the same, Jay sort of continues on because I, I told the story to one of the students that I'm teaching, sorry, not a student, one of my new colleagues, she's straight out of teacher's college and she's teaching with me and I was telling her the story. Now she's uh, a resident of the school, uh, uh, she lived in the area where I taught or her, at least her high school did. And she says, wait a minute, did you also teach such, such, such and such? And I went, yeah. She's like, Really? Yeah, it turns out that this this teacher that I'm teaching with now, she went to high school with all these people. <laughs> so, t- <laughs> in fact, one of the students that I, I remember giving me such a hard time pulling up his pants, you know, like the low low rider pants, he was her prom date. I was blown away. I felt so old. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Now, Brenda, you said you had another corker, and if it's anything like that, that was fantastic. I'm sure all the listeners are on the edge of their seat ready to go. Oh, well, I don't know how much this will be, but uh, this one really touched my heart. Um, her name is T, and she was a very gawky, long-armed, long-legged 
girl who did no sports, who like avoided physical activity. She really was a bookworm, very, very smart girl. And she came into my class and the way I, I, as a homeroom teacher, before I was full time in the, the, as a phys ed teacher, I would always have my students for two years. I'd have them in grade seven and then grade eight. So we're talking uh, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. She came in and she was already taller than me and I, I'm five, seven. So right away, I mean, I'm looking at this girl whose, whose body is hunched forward. She doesn't want anybody to see her. She doesn't make eye contact. She doesn't talk in class. And I watched her for a little while. And as the year progressed, you could see her starting to, to come into her own, but she didn't want to try anything. She, she avoided any kind of physical activity and, and didn't really connect with uh, any, any current sport. Well, I always like to pull in something new and different. And I started, a, I brought in a program called Future Steps, and I'm, I'm plugging them because they were fantastic, through the Burlington Social uh, Dance Social Dance Social Club. Uh, regardless, it's called Future Steps, and it's out of Ontario. And it teaches ballroom dancing to uh, students. So it'll come into your school, and it does eight, eight sessions, the 30 minutes, uh, at the end of it, not only do you learn how to do three different dances, you then get to compete within your school against other teams. And the winning teams, you can create a club from there, and that club goes on to regionals, etc. Well, I think this was my first or second year, and she, she was in grade seven at the time. And I had never seen a more graceful child in dance. And her family was um, of West African descent. And, and was freshly in the country within the last 15, 20 years. And they had never done anything like this before. And to watch her dance was absolutely gorgeous. But she still kind of didn't want to do much. But the mom and dad spoke to me at the end of the year. Then they said, you know what? I have never seen her do this before. And what a great way to start her. Next year when you have her, please push her a little bit more. Now, T being who she is, she started to joke and laugh with me and I, I made a point of pushing her a little bit more. And I said, listen, I coach volleyball. I'm coaching the intermediate team. And she's like, I can't do it. No, 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 no. And I said, no, listen, I just need you to show up. I will teach you how to block and I will teach you how to serve. And we will go from there. Well, that girl was over six foot by grade eight. And again, remember I said she could dance. So she was very fluid. She could, she could jump. It was fantastic to watch her. She was the power blocker. She was the tower. She was unbelievable on my team. And from there, she literally blossomed. She joined the basketball team. She tried out for track and field. And she said, Madame, Madame, because again, I, I teach in French. She said, Madame, are you doing ballroom this year? Are you doing ballroom? Uh, hello. Have you ever known a, a 13 or 14 year old say, <laughs> saying, are we doing ballroom? And I said, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll do it. So of course she's like towering above everybody else. And she did a Venetian waltz. And her mom went out and bought her this long dress that was totally typical of what you would see on these, um, these uh, programs. And she was the most beautiful dancer I've ever seen. This girl, Sean, and her team won and she went on to regionals and she had a, a fabulous time. And when graduation came around, and she, she didn't win an athlete of the year, but she did win a whole bunch of other uh, awards and I knew she would because right now she's doing neuroscience uh, 
at a very well-known university. She's a very smart girl. But the thing was, is I got to graduation because obviously I was presenting some of these awards and her parents came and saw me, but it wasn't just her parents. Her whole family came to the graduation. And at that graduation, they said, thank you a thousand times. And I said, listen, it's not me, it's her. And they said, no, no, it is. It is really you. You made the difference here. Um, and then they presented me with a gift card for uh, a local store so that I could buy a stroller for my new baby. Uh, and to this day, I get teary-eyed because uh, what parent do you, it's unheard of to give that kind of gift just for being a teacher. Um, and I still stay in contact with her now. And in fact, she comes and she babysits my kids. Uh, so what a, uh, what an amazing uh, family that was and, and what amazing child. I mean, she's, she's blossomed. Wow. That's, I think that's a uh, detriment though to your teaching there, Brenda, and, and the impact that you have had. I, and I can, I can feel the emotion through your story. It's uh, very touching. Yeah. She's, uh, y- you know, I've got, I could tell you stories, and I could tell you stories of failures as well as triumphs. Um, but I chose these two because they, they are two that resound with me. Uh, and I, I keep tabs on them and, and of these girls because uh, I just think it's so important because both of these girls, they bloomed through sport. They bloomed through fi- being physically active. And too many girls leave physical activity way too early. Yeah, I, I totally agree and I think uh, sport all over the world, it doesn't matter where you are, what race, anything, everybody's accepted in most sport and you can flourish, you can dominate, you can achieve whatever you like. So I think those two stories really amplify that as well. Thank you. One of the most famous stories that children love from me is the time that I had a class of year twos and uh, we had an incubator filled with eggs that I got from the local farmer and waiting for them all to hatch. And uh, the kids are all there, all year twos, you know, five and six-year-olds, and uh, they're really excited about that. We had, you know, the, the eggs were hatching. One little kid uh, is over in England. It's, uh, I put him in charge of. He was in charge of temperature. It was a temperature monitor. I had to look at the temperature and make sure it was always in 60 and 80 degrees. So every 10 minutes he come up again, it's uh, 68 degrees. Say, well done, you know, and he keep doing it all day. Then two days later, uh, three eggs hatched, and we had three little uh, chicks in the in the incubator there. And we named them Sunny, uh, you know, Honey and, and Sunflower or something fluffy. I can't remember. The kids were in love with them, stroking them. It was great. Lunchtime, I was having my lunch in the staff room. You know, kids don't go in the staff room. That's one of the big rules of school. Anyway, the door bursts open and, and he's standing there. You know, little Billy is at the door screaming, Gavin, Gavin, the incubator's on 120 degrees. So I ran to the class and uh, the chicks, I'm afraid, were dead. They were all dead. Oh. Yeah, the three, and he's crying. And I said, look, it's not your fault. You get yourself on the playground. You know, I'll, um, I'll do with this. I'll, I'll bury them in the garden. And uh, so the, the, it, it sounds awful, this. Isn't it? I'm gonna put, your listeners are going to hate you probably. <laughs> no, I don't think that will. So off they went. The kid, he went outside and said, don't tell anyone. We'll break into the class when you come back. So anyway, I got them. And there was a flip lid then in the class. You know, like the ones like, and I just, callously and evilly, I just opened the flip lid and I just popped them in the bin. Right? It's really bad. And the kids came in, and they're all sitting down on the carpet. And I said, look, there's been a terrible accident. And they were like, what's happened? I said, I'm afraid someone has nudged into the, the temperature gauge and turned it up. I'm afraid Fluffy and Sunshine and Honey, I'm afraid they're dead. And they're all crying tears. It was like a flood. They're all, oh, my God, hugging each other. Oh, I'll never see Sunshine again. You know, they're all bawling. It was roaring. And I said, don't worry, guys. You know, I, at lunchtime, I buried them in the garden. They've gone to chick heaven. We've got 78 more eggs to hatch. So we'll just make sure we take care of those ones. 
don't worry. And, you know, one kid said, can I say a prayer? It wasn't a religious school. Can I say a prayer? He said a prayer. We prayed for them to go to heaven. It was all great. But they're in the bin, really. And uh, anyway, class went on. The kids forgot all about it, as kids do. And they're all working away in the afternoon. I'm working with a little group. And then this one boy, he's out in the bin, sharpening his pencil. And he's like, uh, Mr. McCormack, I can hear a noise coming out of the bin. I was like, sorry, because I can hear a noise. He's pointing in the bin. I was like, oh, my God. Please don't. And it, then, before I could do anything, he pulled it in his hand. He had little sunshine, or one of them, and it had pencil sharpenings all on his head, and it was alive. And then he had all three, and he goes, they're alive! And then there was this amazing celebration. Everyone's dancing, and we're all happy, and I'm thinking, this is great, until one little girl, she's standing in the middle of the carpet, arms folded, look really angry, and then she points right at me, and all the kids stop in silence. She said, you're a liar! And uh, I said... And then they're all worried because they're calling me a liar because I said I'd buried him in the garden. But I hadn't buried him in the garden, really. I'd buried him in the bin. And uh, I said, you know, it's a good job I didn't bury him in the garden because he would have been buried alive now. You know, this is fate. Anyway, I got so many complaints from parents about what I'd done. And, you know, the, it, but it, because it's a real story and it involves kids and it involves school, when I tell that to a class, they absolutely love it. They love it so much. And I always stop. You know, way before the end, you know, way before the end, I stop and say, we're out of time. Let's go home, guys. And the kids next day, like, what happened to the chicks? But yeah, uh, you know, make it real. Put yourself in the story and, and you, you win. It's easy. Before you go, if you loved any of those stories and you're like, bang, I've got one myself, please hit me up at dale at energetic.education and we can feature you on Yarns and Tales from Teachers Part 2, which will be coming up in a couple of months' time. But obviously we need teachers. So start getting your thinking caps on, get your stories ready, and we can share them with the world. Thank you for your time once again. Have a wonderful day.